0: You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt
1: Vanderlist, and maybe somebody else. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 34. For April 18th, 2008, I'm Mark Spagnolo, And I'm Matt Vanderlist, and we're back for today. And if you have questions or comments
0: or whatever, you know, I'm talking with a high voice. I don't know why, but you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a message at pick up your phone. You're going to dial 623-242-2450 and leave us a voicemail. We love voicemails and we know that you love voicemails, so definitely do that. Indeed. So anyways, though, what is up, Mark? What's going on, buddy?
1: Nothing, but, you know, your little intro there reminded me of that Family Guy episode where Stewie is asking, um, uh, what the heck is the dog's name? I can't believe I just forgot that. But he's asking him if he's finished his novel. And he keeps like okay. and he keeps antagonizing him, and he's like, "So you finish that novel?" And his voice keeps getting higher and higher and higher. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, a lot of people when they
0: meet me often reference The Family Guy. You know, that's that. I don't is that a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing?
1: That's I guess it depends on who they're referring to you as. <laughs> you
0: know? that, that's true because that is that's one of those shows that's like on Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network or something. And my kids will stay up late on Friday and Saturday, like we love The Family Guy. I'm like, you're watching that? Don't let your mother know. <laughs>
1: uh yeah it's a good show it's a good wholesome family show that's um, right yeah what's been up well first of all just let everybody know this is not going to be our normal regular episode i think uh this month has just threw everybody for a loop and uh you know i've been out of town constantly and barely have time to breathe so um th- I, we're just kind of squeezing this in in fact <clears throat> pardon me we've never done a morning slash afternoon recording
0: That's right. As we're recording this, it is it's it's very early, not so much early morning. Would you consider early morning for you? What time? No, no, no.
1: This is just morning. It's nine, quarter of ten right now. So,
0: right, and I snuck away from the office on my lunch hour today to do this one because that's how dedicated we are. That's right. Yes,
1: absolutely. So we're going to try and squeeze this out real quick, and uh, I got to get on a plane again tomorrow for uh, a wedding in Ohio and uh, a visit to popular woodworking in the woodwork store which uh, we'll have some video footage of that uh due out probably in early May so that that should be pretty fun um but the last few weeks man I've been in Hawaii uh which Hawaii. I didn't really yeah, I didn't really tell anyone about it uh but I I, I had food poisoning while I was there and oh
0: no way <laughs> yeah that was a
1: blast it wasn't really like a full-blown vacation um No,
0: not with food poisoning. That wouldn't be a full-blown vacation. That's a whole different kind of blown something.
1: Yeah, something like that. But it was uh, was a work uh, thing for Nicole and I tagged along and uh, we just added a day to the trip and it wound up just being a nice, you know, sort of nice three-day getaway, just a little bit... uh, uh, a little bit harsh on on uh my system but um once i once i got some medicine in me you know things kind of picked up and we we had a chance we went to the zoo and hung out at the beach and just uh, unplugged for a little while meanwhile with our iPhones in our pockets i say unplugged but uh, you know we're, we're sort of our own worst enemies when it comes to that stuff but we had a good time so that explains where i've been and um after that we went to We went to Indiana for the Festool Grand. Excuse me, this is what happens when we do the show in the morning. Uh, (laughs) Get a
0: slick of coffee and we'll start. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, I do have my coffee here, though. Uh, The Festool Grand opening event uh, in Indiana, which was a lot of fun. Um, Wait, so
0: you you went all the way from the Pacific to the Midwest, and then now you're back into the Southwest.
1: Actually, yeah, I went from from Hawaii uh, one day back in Phoenix, and then one actually three days in Indiana and then back home to Phoenix, and now back to Ohio. So um, I have no idea what time it is.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, that's a lot of time zones to pass through. I, I guess maybe you just crash when you crash. <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of, kind of. And it, to make matters worse, I probably shouldn't even tell this because it's, it has to do with adult things, but we were in uh, our hotel in Indiana, and apparently the Sheraton makes their walls and ceilings out of paper. And oh the japanese apartment yeah it was like tissue paper because uh we heard everything and i mean everything that was going on between the hours of three and five a.m uh when we got into our hotel
0: (laughs) what you weren't aware of was actually there was a fraternity party it's probably the alpha alpha omegas were having their, their founder's day party probably like in the same building on the same floor well
1: it was if there was a party it was just two people if you know what i'm saying uh, gotcha. Moving on. So <laughs> that's that's what I've been Sorry. doing. And uh, unfortunately, what it has translated to is like zero, zero shop time. And I'm getting antsy like a uh, an addict who needs his uh, fix because just it's too much time has gone by between uh, uh, projects at this point. It's driving me crazy, man.
0: Right. So, so pretty soon you're going to be tuning into the uh, Wood Whisperer Live just to see your shop is what you're really saying. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's just it's so being, I can
1: feel like I'm actually doing something. <laughs> yeah totally totally so how about you have you uh, even had any shop time at all
0: um it's been a little off and on I'm, I'm working on a project for actually one of my wife's co-workers it's kind of a small bookshelf uh bookshelf and i'm actually for once recording it from beginning to end i'm kind of putting it in there oh, unlike cool. aiden's uh, uh, uh dresser that i did If anybody remembers that when i did two videos and then it was all done you got to see the finished <laughs> pictures <that> no- <laughs> you just gave up <laughs> Yeah, basically, it's like one of those. Oh crap! I just finished putting that last layer of polyurethane on. I probably should have videotaped that. Oh well, mm, the, yep. they'll see the pictures of it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but just uh, this past weekend, I was actually in the Chicago area, and I had a chance to go to a Lee Nielsen tool demo slash seminar thing. And let me tell you, that was that was a lot of fun. Actually, I, I thought it was just going to be like one of those. Oh well, you'll you'll see like just you know this is how you use this tool, this is how you use that. Now go buy one. Right. And. There was a little bit of that going on, but, like, Thomas Lee Nielsen himself was there, mm-hmm. and it's really neat meeting meeting him, and I, I will say one thing. Apparently, everybody in Maine, they are some really salty dogs. I mean, they they definitely <laughs> – Mr. Lee Nielsen, he actually – I don't know if I should say this. He dropped the F-bomb a couple of times while Dope. we were talking, so <laughs> wow. it was in a
1: nice way. <laughs> no, that's cool, though. If everybody's just kind of laid back and hanging out, that's kind of neat.
0: It was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, and um, uh, a friend of mine, Scott, went with me, and so we kind of hung out, and one thing I thought it was really funny is we're at this total hand tool demo thing, and we decided, well, let's go to lunch real quick, and then we'll come back, and we'll catch a couple other seminars that are going to be happening. We go to the subway, and they got a TV set up, and of all shows that comes on while well, we're at a tool demo seminar thing, the new Yankee Workshop came on while we were eating lunch.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I sat there and watched that, and uh, uh, he didn't once touch a hand tool. So I'm like, well, that's good. I got my power tool fixed. Now yeah. we can head on back and, and check it out. And so it was, it was really neat. Chris Schwartz was there. Um, uh, Jeff Miller is the one that – it was his studio. Jeff Miller written a few articles for – several articles, I should say, for fine woodworking. He has books about building beds and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, I got to see the new Lee Nielsen inlay tools. I don't know if you've happened to see those in the catalog.
1: I've seen um, them, but I, I don't know much about them.
0: Yeah, I didn't really know anything about them. I watched them use them, and they're pretty impressive, but I don't think I'm at that level yet. Basically, we were joking around. They're like a couple of them are really kind of like glorified um, compasses with a blade on it is what <sighs> it really comes down to. Right. And, uh, uh, of course, they're doing tool demos with the, all the hand planes. Rumor is, and I don't know how true this is, but one gentleman came in, and I mentioned this on my own show, came in and was like really skeptical about anything hand tool, hand plane, all that stuff. And when he left, he had bought, like, uh, like one of every bench plane, a couple specialty planes, and just walked out the door with it. But uh, Thomas Lee Nielsen apparently was offering to etch his uh, autograph on anybody's uh, hand plane or saw that they brought in that was a Lee Nielsen. Really? So, yeah. So he was over in the corner etching away on those things. And I'm like, dude, I don't want his name on my hand plane. I mean, if it got stolen, they're going to return it to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, his name is on your hand plane anyway. <laughs>
0: That that is true yeah I guess I, that is already kind of there
1: <laughs> yeah well so. actually I mean I wouldn't mind having somebody autographing certain things but that, that strikes me as a little odd I, I think I might have had the same reaction that you did where it's like I'm not sure that I want someone to autograph my plane you know what I mean
0: right and he was, i think he was like doing it like on the on the wings of the of the hand plane right on the side and i'm like sure he used that as a shooting plane you know for when you're using your shooting board that's that could mess it up at least <laughs> seems to me but i'm sure you probably would have, you, know, you know wiped it down or something to get the etchings out of the or the the shavings out of the way but yeah i'm sure it's I fine
1: but still i just it almost feels like those surfaces on those planes just look so gorgeous that i would anything on them sort of defaces it you know
0: exactly you know one other one to talk about is uh I don't know how many f- people are familiar with the Bridge City Tools, but talk about beautiful pieces of art. I'm almost afraid to use them. Mm, yeah. It was at uh Johnny the, the owner, was there, and he was showing off his – he has a new multiplane kit that he's selling now. And basically it's a, uh, the size of a block plane, but you can – rather than collecting all those wooden molding planes and have them up in the wall, warp, crack, whatever else, the bottoms actually have – you can take off the, uh, the different shapes and put what, different ones on. And I believe the starter kit is starting out. If you go to the website at BridgeCityTools.com, uh, there's a starter kit that comes with like one molding bottom and then the plane and I think a fence. It starts out about five hundred and twenty-two dollars if you want to buy it. Whoa! And then every one after that, you just all you simply do is you just swap out the the bottom, so you get all these different shapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, each one after that is about I think a hundred and twenty to two hundred per different thingy. You know the 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 shapes, the sure. actual molding itself. Right. Um, you know, So it's it's a nice little investment. They, they work great. They're, they're really neat looking. I had a chance to play with them, um, but I don't know if I'm ready to make that kind of investment. I'm still <laughs> – the antique store, pick up the wooden ones and call it good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, there's different levels of, of that sort of quality and a lot of times for uh, hobbyists and, and folks who are just getting into um, the, the hobby, it starts to you, – you see companies like Veritas and Lee Nielsen and you think those are the top of the line. And you know, the truth is, there's a couple that are beyond that. You know, as far as investment and actual cost, it's insane when you see some of those prices.
0: Right, absolutely. Hey, you know, I was thinking one thing that I picked up from the show um, is remember we were talking about lazy people food and uh-huh. lazy. Chris Schwartz was doing a, a demonstration with uh, hand scrapers, and you know what we talked about? There's that bendable thing you get know, like from Veritas, the yep. scraper holder. Right. Well he actually has a thing to kind of help get over that your fingers burning kind of a thing without spending all that money. Okay. Um, you know those magnets that you get like the little thin flat ones look like a business card that oh, kind yeah. of a thing up, Yeah. Put that on your hand, on your scraper and then use it. It absorbs all the heat so your thumbs don't get burned.
1: Oh, that and, makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he was using it there and he kept showing it. He got it in the mail. You know kind of a thing like that. I'm like,
1: oh, wow. Damn it. Ingenuity. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, so what I'm thinking we should do is actually we'll we'll get some of those. We'll put a picture of you on one side, a picture of me on the other, and then that way we'll always be under people's thumbs. They know exactly where to place their <laughs> thumbs when they're using it. And you can pick it up at like the Wood Whisperer store over at Matt's Basement Workshop for five dollars a piece, folks.
1: <laughs> nice. That, that's a, that would be funny if we did that.
0: But that's yeah, actually even-
1: that's that's slick. There's so many like just little ideas like that that just takes a little outside the box thinking to use a, a mundane item that we you know see every day and just apply it to something different. How cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what I was like, man, I wish I'd... Chris quit talking about this. I'm going to market it. We're going to make money, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I we got a um interesting email here that I thought I would read and the uh, author prefers to stay anonymous for obvious reasons. Um, and this will bring us into a discussion about a new annual event that mm-hmm. I would like to uh to start. And um I haven't posted about it yet on the Wood Whisperer, but this release of this show should coincide with that post, so everything will kind of be coming out at the same time. Uh, is this
0: about the Matt and Mark Wood Talk online uh pledge drive where they can <laughs> just send me money. One? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Um yeah, so here this email is very it's very interesting. And I don't know that we're necessarily gonna be able to give this person a direct answer. Um, But it's something that I want everybody to think about and see what you might do in those situations. Um, It says, I recently took a two-day woodworking course offered by a local affiliate uh, of one of the big woodworking chains and was surprised by the safety practices of the instructor. Although the instructor was a professional woodworker uh, with decades of experience, and I'm just a newcomer of woodworking and uh, I have more book and video knowledge than actual skill, the safety practices were different enough from what I understand to be proper ones that I was concerned at the time and remained troubled several weeks later at the same time I was pretty sure that bringing up anything in the class was just going to create an adversarial situation and the instructor uh, with the instructor and ruin the class for me so I stayed silent uh, which was facilitated by wearing hold on you know that news flash thing that we did last time Uh, That just played in my ears very loud because I forgot to delete it from the file. (laughs) Okay. All right. Perfect
0: timing though. You would have just waited a few seconds. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, So technical difficulties there. But um, he says that his silence was facilitated by wearing a dust mask because of the completely inadequate dust collection in the class. Lovely. Uh, Most of the issues involved uh, how we were instructed to use the cabinet saw. The instructor communicated his approach with absolute certainty and dismissed anything else as unsafe. Here are the details. He was against featherboards and believed in using your left hand as the featherboard. I found this to be uncomfortable, but not as troubling as three of his other practices. First, the instructor was against ever using a splitter because he was once injured and he attributes the injury to the splitter. Second, he was against using a blade guard. Third, because he was concerned that the magnetic switch on a table saw would wear out. I'm not making this up. He did not want the table saw to be turned on and off between cuts or even between students. Thus, frequently wood was being placed on the table saw and moved around while the blade was spinning. Uh, and uh, he'd like to know, what would you do in this situation? Uh, he says he emerged with all of his fingers, but still. So, it, it really brings up an interesting question. I think a lot of times... Uh, you know, as as folks who really participate in a lot of this online stuff, we absorb a lot of information and it's very easy uh, for us to almost get a false sense of how things should be in the real world because we kind of look at an ideal situation. Um, you know, hobbyists, for the most part, part of our goal is setting up the, the ideal situation, the ideal shop, the ideal um, workflow in your shop and also the ideal safety practices as well. And that's not a bad thing. But I think what, hap- <clears throat> excuse me, what happens is when you get into the real world, if we did a little tour of all the woodworking shops in the country, I think a lot of hobbyists would be crapping their pants at some of the things that they would see in these shops as far as safety practices or lack thereof. So right. I think what this guy probably ref- you know, was, was a reflection of is the real world. And mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not to say that it's right or safe. I think that's reality. Um, now the fact that he's in a position that he's teaching, uh, newcomers to the hobby, uh, he should probably be a little bit more responsible. And I do have a problem with a number of the things that he brought up. Um, you know, but some of them are, are are certainly worse than others. Um, you know, but still, what what do you think about that? I mean, specifically some of the stuff that he brought up, how about the using your left hand as a featherboard?
0: Yeah. I think of all of them, that was the one that maybe bothered me the most, but, my question was how far back was he actually talking about? Because I know myself sometimes when I'm feeding stock in, my, my, I've always got like one eye on where the blade is and as I'm kind of feeding things through it. I know I've used, I've used my left hand often to kind of help keep the wood tight against the, uh, the fence, mm-hmm. but it's at a safe distance away from the actual blade itself.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I mean, if, if, it, if he's like saying, you know, like, oh, have it right up where the blade is, like right in front of it, maybe not the best practice in the world but at the same time you know i i can completely understand how this was making this listener's skin just crawl sure. seeing these things you know especially you know hearing about them, reading seeing all the videos you know everything else where we talk about shop safety like i could really see how that could make you uncomfortable my biggest concern when using my left hand as a featherboard and like i want to remind everybody I've, I've got a way back from the actual blade itself um i always get slivers that's my biggest concern <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean if it I, may, the more I think about it, I guess maybe if there was if the wood really kind of got caught up, I guess my my hand could be the first thing that gets pulled in. But usually, kickback throws it back. Throws at it back. You.
1: Yeah, you'll probably just get more yeah. of a, a broken thumb of you know if anything. Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way, Matt. I think if um, if I'm not using a featherboard and I, I don't use it for every cut, uh, my left hand and my right hand work in concert to sort of uh, guide the work piece through. My right hand can only do so much, so my left hand. Keeps the force against the fence while also giving me a little bit of forward pressure. While my right hand, usually I use my thumb at the back of the workpiece as a hook, you know, that um, allows me to push forward and down. So, I mean, really, when you think about the table saw, that's what you need it's three forces against the fence, forward, and down. Because if you don't, if you forget that down, you know, that's when your board can lift up at the front and kick back at you. Um, So, yeah, I, I definitely think using your left hand is relatively safe. It just depends on how small the work piece is, and that's when you have to make the decision to to go for the featherboard uh when it's appropriate. So um again, that that's subjective and depends on exactly what the situation was. Uh what's the other one that he mentions? Now he says not using a splitter because he was once injured. That's ridiculous.
0: Um Yeah that one, you know, I I'm the most nervous with my particular table saw. So I would I would love to have a blade guard, but a lot of times those blade guards really I hate to say it. But I know we're going to get email about this one. Yeah. Those blade guards can get in the way, especially if you're working with kind of narrower stock and you've got a push block that you want to use. Those blade guards are horrible yeah. about being in the way. But I would, I would love to have a splitter. My table saw does not have a splitter of any kind. And what I have the problem is on the backside, as if that material starts to pinch on the backside, that's when I want that splitter there the most to help ease up on the blade so you can feed it through easier.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I would consider a splitter a necessity. I mean, the only time you don't want a splitter on your saw is when you can't have one uh, in the case of, uh, you know, dado cuts and non-through cuts. Um, But I would say generally splitter should always, especially if you're teaching in a student environment like that, come on, you know, you need to have a splitter. Um, And I'm going to fall on the same side of the fence as you with the blade guard. Um, I had one of the overhanging blades I think it was a Penn State unit blade guard, and uh, you know, I just I always had it on there for. I guess it seemed like because it was I knew it was supposed to be safer, so I did it. Um, but I'll tell you, man, every time I would get around that blade and have a cut that was safe enough, you know, it wasn't like a little tiny cut, a couple inches to the side of the blade, that blade guard was so wide that it would it would be in the way and it would actually become a hazard because now I have to maneuver around it and I'm not focusing on keeping the workpiece as secure as I could be you know mm-hmm. so yep. I'm actually better off without it um so yep. since then it's not something I'm promoting for other people I would recommend if you can keep your blade guard on keep it on but my just my overhead guard splitter is always there but the overhead guard is a separate thing and that I have removed from the saw um I just feel safer without it bottom line is my my zero clearance insert is a nice bright red color that okay. that's the danger zone you know i don't right. i don't necessarily need the guard there to remind me of the danger zone i don't let anything including my fingers get within that danger zone unless you know it's a nice secure push block or something so
0: oh man i just thought of a great idea i don't know if i should share it with everybody here's a new safety device since we got lasers for everything there should be a laser like box that comes down. So it's always where your work is supposed to be as you're pushing your hand through <clears throat> and it would just set it up on your ceiling. So it's right over the top of your saw. That's a down. terrible
1: idea, Matt.
0: Yeah, you're right. It would never <laughs> work. Uh, any, uh, copyright, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, all right. The, uh, the magnetic switch thing, um, he's worried that it's going to wear out and would not turn the saw off between cuts or between students. That's just, that's just, uh, poopoo. That's bizarro. That's bizarro. <laughs> yo, um, yeah. I don't, come on. I mean, if you're in your own shop and you're doing things, maybe that's your prerogative to leave the saw running, but there's just too many variables when you have students in the class. And if you're switching from student to student and having multiple people with multiple work pieces coming to the saw, probably yep. not a good idea to let that thing just keep spinning.
0: Yeah. Imagine coming over with multiple pieces to cut. I know I've done this myself when I set them down on a table, how many times you set them down and they've spilled all over the place. Yeah, totally. Imagine that with a blade. So
1: that's retarded. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, this is Bizarro Instructor. Bring in Bizarro Superman to ruffle Mope up.
1: Yeah, um, so I, I think we we agree with uh, the uh, emailer um, that this is some of that is pretty uh, disconcerting. But um, you know, right. you're going to find that type of thing, and and he's right. I think he he did the right thing. I think unless there's someone who is in imminent danger and and they are going to hurt themselves, that's when you might want to intervene. But for the most right. part. You know, in general, you got to let the instructor run the class, and maybe maybe talk to the instructor on the side and not in front of everybody else, and and say you know voice your concerns, and also voice your concerns to the people who are running the course. Um, if it took place at a store, talk to the manager and explain what definitely. your concerns are. And uh,
0: yeah, <clears throat> go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if they have a comment card, fill that out, put it in there, mm-hmm. let them know. You know, definitely, yeah. It's if if it's anything that you're uncomfortable with then for your own safety, you know, take those precautions. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. We just kind of leave it aside for right now.
1: Yeah. Um, so this I thought would be a good tie-in uh, to a introduction to our, um, what did I say? The first annual um, event that's going to be taking place. Uh, it's called, uh, what did I call it? Woodworkers Safety Week.
0: Okay. Yes, that sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> uh, the idea here is every May, the first full week of May, and I arbitrarily picked that time. I think, you know, it's probably not a bad time because a lot of woodworkers are uh, getting back into the full swing of uh, working Mm -hmm. in the shop, you know, it's starting to get warmer and things like that, so maybe it's an ideal time for that. Uh, But the first full week of May, and this this time it's going to be May 5th through uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo through uh, May 9th, and the idea is to have the entire community, blogging, magazine, anybody who's involved in woodworking to sort of spread the message of just good uh safety techniques and it's it's you know it's not one of those things where i want it to be just a constant rehash of the same old crap it it really is just kind of let's talk about things that may have happened lessons that we've learned um you know stories of people who've had injuries and and what they what they learned from it Um, you know just spreading spreading the information around so that any new woodworkers who come along they get a good exposure to some general safety practices and uh, I'll tell you what for seasoned woodworkers it's nice to have that reminder you know because I think we're the ones you know the people who've been doing it for a while who might even fall victim more because you get complacent You you forget about how dangerous this
0: stuff is exactly and and safety does not have to be a preachy thing this is just you know a bunch of guys talking about things that you know we do different things that we should think about and you're absolutely right. i can't tell you how many times i've kind of just gotten lulled into that oh i've done this you know i've done this cut 500,000 times so right. it's nothing that's that's almost always when an accident occurs
1: exactly yeah and and it by no means is it going to be preachy or intended to be preachy um I'm very big on uh, personal responsibility when it comes to safety in the shop and you know I mean uh, the DVDs that we send out I've got a little card in there um that explains our policies on safety and stuff and it is you know one of those things that says we're not liable um but ultimately I remind people that safety is your responsibility you know it's a spinning blade and if y- if you are Capable of you know firing it up and finding the on switch, then you should be capable of reading the instructions and following the safety tips. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that aren't quite so obvious. Um, you know, you'll hear people. I know there was a post. I think Glenn Huey uh, posted recently about a technique he uses with um, using those uh, grippy kind of gloves on the jointer, and yeah. he he doesn't necessarily always use push blocks when he's face jointing. Um, so, there was a heated discussion that developed on his blog concerning that method and whether it's safe, and you know his viewpoint was yes, it's safe in my shop with me, it's safe. Um, the gloves have a good grip, and I know what I'm doing, so its it's perfectly safe operation. Um, yep. So it was very interesting to read that and the thing that actually facilitated me thinking about this whole safety week thing was a um, email that I had gotten from a guy, I believe he's from here in in Gilbert. And I'm, I'm actually going to post this information uh, when I when we start safety week. But he emailed me and he explained that he was face jointing a board with his hands. Um, he had his bare hands. He did not have the grippy gloves on. Um, not sure how much that would have helped him. But he was jointing. He was tired. It was a long day. Uh, he figured, you know what, um, I could go in the house or I could get these last three or four boards jointed and be ahead of the game tomorrow. So, um he decided to joint the boards. And the first pass, he said that it was a little bit, um, it, it wasn't taking off as much material as he wanted. So he made an adjustment uh, to the to the bed. And I think he either went too far or he went in the wrong direction. Either way, he adjusted the bed way too low. And oh. as he started to push it across the blades, he said it started to bounce. And as it bounced, he instinctively increased his downward pressure with his hands and the oh. board shot out from under his hand, and his hand went right into the blade. Oh! And snap. and I have pictures, so... Oh, no, what, no, no. What I will be doing... <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I looked at these pictures, and I, I don't have a, a real light stomach, despite my incident in Hawaii, but um, <laughs> I do... You know, I could take... I could look at a lot of these gruesome photos, and, and these, I guess, it just wasn't like standard blood and gore kind of photo it was like look that could be my hand right you know if if I were to do something the wrong way or just be unlucky you know here here's a technique uh that lots of folks probably do even if you have those gloves on that that could very well happen you know I mean depending on the situation you've got a lot of things that had to occur first for that to even happen but still it can happen and um i don't even want to think if he did have a glove on what may have happened you know you know how that yeah. concept of having that cloth on your hand being pulled in even further so um you know not not commentary on that technique at all i mean if you like i said i think it can be safe and i have done it i know in the winter time sometimes i will wear those grippy gloves and it's a lot safer than than not wearing them um but either way it was it had a profound effect on me and i was like you know what we really need to to talk about this a, a little bit more so let's have a uh, a week where this is the primary discussion all over the internet and uh, fortunately the response so far has been good uh we've got sponsorship from Brockler, and they are supplying us with a bunch of just safety related items that we'll be giving away every day uh, of that week so all 5 days we're going to have giveaways nice yeah and uh Let's see. The fine woodworking folks are going to be supplying us with some safety-related videos every day. Uh, I'll be doing my own little short clip uh, safety videos every day, and uh, the ideas that I'm getting in from everybody uh, in in the community are amazing. Everybody has really taken up the cause, and um, you know, I know Tom sent a, a article to uh, Lee Valley for their newsletter. And are are you working with Woodcraft on this? I heard through the rumor mill. Yep, actually, I am. I was just going to
0: say on my own show, I'm planning on that whole week, the, the three episodes will have something to do with safety. And I just got word today that they're uh, planning on donating a few items also. So there's even more giveaways given that. So no matter which way you turn, whether it's a, a blog, if it's Mark's show, if it's my show, everything else, um, there, there's not only great information coming, but you can win free and
1: fabulous prizes. Yes, fabulous prizes. Any excuse to give away free stuff, um, I'm all for it, you know, but. Absolutely. And, and in the items that we have i mean we've got like their thin ripping jig we've got the i3 uh headphones the uh ones with the input for an mp3 player we've got just a ton a ton of safety stuff and at the very least you know y- come come for the giveaways but you know stay for the message
0: that's <laughs> right yeah absolutely and we promise it won't be preachy it'll be like me screaming at you it'll yeah. be like you know it'll the, be more drill
1: sergeant like right <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be the
1: the old uh, wood teacher with
0: like, you know, missing thumbs and a <laughs> there couple. There you go. Digits.
1: But yeah, it, it the thing is it'll be a lot of fun and it's going to be a little change of focus for everybody, but just a good reminder. And if you're not interested in safety, then don't bother going to any of these woodworking sites that yeah. week cuz I think everybody's going to be pretty well uh focused at least posting at, you know, maybe at least a single article uh with a safety story attached to it. So
0: that's right. That'll be the week that you unplug from the internet would probably be the best time to choose. <laughs> yeah. Mark it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, I think at this point we can do – you want to do another voicemail real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let, let's have a listener get, a, get their
0: voice out there. Let's see what we got here. Give them their two and a half minutes of fame.
1: Uh That Rick uh, we've been rickrolled. <laughs> Unbelievable! Hey, I have the phone number here too. I can call them back and rickroll them back. If you're not familiar with uh, with the term <laughs> rickrolled, uh, just look it up. You'll find just Google it. You'll find out it's just one of those hilariously stupid internet things uh, that hap- happen to do with a wonderful uh, '80s song that's just fantastic.
0: I've got it stuck in my head and I remember in the 80s it helped me get the ladies Let me... <laughs> actually no it didn't it didn't help me at all
1: <laughs> yeah uh, definitely didn't help me I don't think I was interested in the ladies in, yeah. in the 80s well that rhymes
0: yeah and unfortunately the the only ladies that I did try to get in the 80s shot me down hard so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you win some you lose some Matt all right. yep. <laughs> uh, let's see we actually do have a real voicemail here uh, okay let's see i think this is from jack uh concerning mortisers hi mark matt jack gimmer morning view kentucky Try to remember me from my bad emails i heard you talking about um uh mortisers in one of the episodes and i'm thinking about buying the powermatic one the big one with the tilting tables and all the little clamps and it's about nine hundred dollars just want to see what you think about that we're really into the arts and crafts furniture type things so we do a lot of mortises maybe i'll donate my old one to matt
0: hey all right uh, i just want to get your
1: <laughs> thoughts on that and suggestions and see if you think it's worth it i think it's i think it's pretty cool myself anyway i mean what you think about it thank you i definitely think it's worth it to send matt a free mortiser That's exactly what I was going to
0: say. You know what? You should go out, (laughs) buy it right now. Contact me for my email address and my my home address and all that. You know, I'll just drive down and pick it up. (laughs) Let
1: me me save you the trouble. Yeah, that's not that far for you, right? You can get there in a day. Absolutely, yeah. In fact, (laughs) actually, if I leave right now and skip the rest
0: of this afternoon at work, I could be there in no time. There
1: you go, yeah. Um, It's very straightforward question. Should, you know, if he's doing a lot of arts and crafts furniture, a mortiser, is an indispensable item. I think if you're, if you're doing a lot of those tenon, uh, mortise and tenon joints, um, any of these systems might be worth investing in, whether it's an FMT, um, you know, a domino. Well, I guess if you're doing arts and crafts, you probably want some exposed joinery at some point, um, mm-hmm. if you're going to get real fancy with it. So you might not necessarily want the domino, but, um, you know, and and right there at the top of the list is, is a, uh, hollow chisel mortiser, um, now the level that he's going for is that's, that's a heck of a machine that he's looking at there. Um, right. That thing is heavy duty. And if you're doing a lot of this stuff and can justify that kind of machine, then heck yeah. Um, but if you're just doing a little piecemeal work here and there, you could probably get away with one of the benchtop versions, but it sounds like he's already, he's already got one and wants to have a significant upgrade, um, you know, I, I would have trouble finding a machine that's as good as that that uh, that Powermatic model in particular, but that being said, I'm sure there were other brands out there with heavy-duty mortisers that will kick butt too, um, but right. I have personal experience with that particular uh, Powermatic unit, and uh, and I love it. I mean, that thing is a beast.
0: Right. Now, the main thing that's always with uh, with mortisers is, it, is it's that handle. Now, this one has a decent one. I'm, I'm still trying to picture which one this is, and I... I do an internet search, but I can really spell powermatic sometimes <laughs> yeah it's
1: it's the uh standalone unit um okay. it's on its own stand and it's just it's massive, and the handle on it you could probably hang you know uh, uh, uh i don't know three or four people can be hanging from it, and it's not gonna break um nice. it's, it's as heavy duty as it gets.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That, in that case, yeah, I mean, when it, like you said, you said it yourself, and I'm going to reiterate it just so I sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> good, plan, good plan, Matt, good plan. Thank you. I do it all the time. That's how I answer a lot of questions. So what you're saying is your question is. <laughs> but, yeah, with, with arts and crafts, if that's your main thing, yeah, mortise and tenon, you, you definitely want some sort of mortiser because that, that would be insane trying to do that with, like, a chisel.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, the other thing, I I did mention things like the FMT, Uh, Mortis Pal is another uh, decent solution. The Mm -hmm. difficulty that you have there is they're not square. So if you do decide to do something that's through, um, you're gonna have to chisel out uh, the rounded edges to get them nice and square anyway. So um, the hollow chisel mortiser is just one of those that nails those perfectly square mortises every time. Um, So Mm -hmm. really, I think for that type of furniture is probably the best solution.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, you could always go with like a, some sort of mortising jig with your router, but we all know how that goes. you got to make multiple passes, multiple passes, and just mm-hmm. it it be a real change trying to set something like that up. So absolutely, and it's not just because um, we got you on tape saying you were going to donate it to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we know where you live. All right. Yeah. Um, well, we had a, um, a little clip last week from Kaleo, and mm-hmm. uh, this week we have one from everybody's favorite guy from Florida, Tom. Oh, hey, Tom. I was like, Florida. Florida. <laughs> the guy from Florida. The guy from Tampa, to be more specific. Tampa Tom. Tampa Tom. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's tips. When you're working with wood, things have a nasty habit of becoming a little confused. If you have to cut, plane, route, fold, spindle, or mutilate a piece of wood in a particular way, you want to make sure that you do your voodoo in the right place. Rather than mark all over the piece with a pencil, which you'll have to erase or sand out later, try using chalk. It won't dent the wood, wipes off cleanly when you're done, and after a tough day in the shop, you can challenge the neighborhood kids to a game of hopscotch. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit any of the other great blogs that belong to the Wood Whisperer Network at twwnetwork.com. Well, there you go.
0: Absolutely. That's a great one. Although, I will never ever challenge my neighbor kids to hopscotch or anything like that because these kids are mean. They're mean. <laughs> you know, I'm at my wife go after them after
1: a while. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I uh, I can't play hopscotch with my neighbor's kids because um, we don't have concrete.
0: Oh, oh, I see. Okay, it's yeah, all gravel. That would be right. Well, you could put on a gravel one nice, outline it with pebbles. Different,
1: different colored gravel. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, with that, I think uh, you got to get back to work, sir. And uh, I've got a bunch of crap to do before I I get on the plane tomorrow. So, I think we all should right. probably uh, call this one done.
0: Absolutely, this is in the file. And of course, as always, folks, we got to remind you at the top of the hour and the bottom of the hour. Is it an hour? Something like that. Uh,
1: b- bottom of the forty minutes. Top of the forty minutes.
0: Okay. Well, if you have comments, questions, suggestions, some feedback, all that fun stuff. Drop us a line at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or if you uh, want to get your voice heard out there, literally, call us on your uh, phone at 623-242-2450. You could call us on coffee cans with a string, but
1: we're not connected. True. Oh, I sorry. don't have one of those. If you could believe it, uh, our short episode still turned out to be about 40 minutes. So uh, the the moral to the story is you and I can talk.
0: Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> if we need to,
1: we can talk. So we just want to thank everybody for listening. We'll get another show out uh, as soon as possible. Things should probably return to normal here pretty soon, uh, starting next week. So uh, we'll yep. try and continue to having those weekly episodes. And uh, thanks for listening. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, Mark and Matt. This is Mark from Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a beginning woodworker and would like to start purchasing some power tools to set up shop. I have about $2,500 to work with. What would you recommend as a good starting point for outfitting my shop? My first thought was to purchase a JET 708-674-PK XactaSaw saw and a DC 1100 dust collection system.
1: What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that would be the best investment? All right, so let's see if we can't help Mark out. He's got $2,500 to set up shop from scratch. I'm very curious to hear your recommendations on what you would spend $2,500 on. Uh, and not just thinking short term but long term as well. Matt and I will also get some ideas and uh, we'll compare notes next week. Send us a uh, voicemail at 623-242-2450 or an email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Thanks a lot.